Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think it's a, a critical tool of, of this game is being satisfied with what you've achieved and balancing that with being dissatisfied but not angry at yourself um, to, to always go to another level. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tryon Shump and in this episode, we'll continue our conversation with successful property developer and property educator, Young Yon, who specializes in minimizing the investment of his own money and maximizing the returns. In our previous conversation with Nan Yuan, we learned that he was able to quit his job to focus on investment and development full-time at 23 years old. He explains how starting with a number of deals allowed him to make this jump. I think um, the couple of deals that I did preceding to me leaving my job were uh, ones into twos or two into twos, so small developments you could say. Um, it was with the help of my mentor and business partner at the time who um, yeah, basically funded the handful of projects. So there was. Um, one was a two into two, which is what we call a splitter block in Brisbane here. And another one was a, a one into two subdivision near the airport. Uh, and we had a, a couple of other projects. One was uh, a five townhouse project in Mackay. So, um, yeah, we, we did bought a swagger of swagger properties, uh, I think, during 2003 and 2004 period. And that allowed me to basically get enough passive income as well as stock to be able to buy and sell to um, be able to do more deals. Wow. So, you actually had quite a number of deals running maybe about four to five in that period of time and I, I remember reading up not long ago that there was one deal that you took on which had a, a quite a large subdivision development which I think it was up to 20 blocks or something like that that you took on. Um, was, it, was it quite close to after that period of time or was that um, much later? Yeah, it was a little bit later. So that one was a, a subdivision of 20 lots uh, in 2007 to 2009. That was the one in the GFC where I had a lot of stress and we were able to buy it at a discount. But we, yeah, we sold it for a good profit, nearly a million bucks or so, called a million bucks. And yeah, during that time, the GFC came and a lot of the prices fell and a lot of the contracts got terminated. So we ended up still making 200K. So that was about, yeah, about four, three or four years after um, that uh, spate of, of deals there. In between that, I, I'd done a handful of deals where um, I found other investors, um, got um, bank funding myself, load off loans at the time and bought a handful of blocks of land and built houses and sold them. So I went through a period of um, yeah, townhouses after those uh, five two-bedroom townhouses we did uh, I think another, you know, 10, sorry, 15 or 20 or so townhouses in Mackay, which were blocks of three, blocks of five, duplexes, um, and, and I learned the process of strata titling. And then after that, yeah, that's where I bought those blocks of land and, and built those houses and, and um, specky them, or they call them specky homes, where you buy them, build them, and then sell them complete. 
um, as a speculative play. And, and that's, yeah, that was when after that, I, I rolled into those 20 blocks of land. Nguyen warns that it's important to start on smaller projects before making the transition into bigger developments. I definitely think, and that's one of the challenges I find these days, whether I'm doing courses, educating people or talking to investors, is a lot of them want to, you know, after they've done a one into two, they want to jump into one into 10, one into 20, because they think that they're Superman and bulletproof. Um, But it's one of the the biggest uh, naiveties that that people, um, the greed gland just pumps and they think they can do anything. Um, And when they say anything is possible, absolutely, you know, you can go to the moon. Um, you can fly to the moon. However, you need to build up the skills and the capital. So rewinding a, a few years, probably back to 2002, 2001, I did meet uh, an, another mentor who was doing blocks of 20 and blocks of 20 apartments and, and townhouses. That was his specialty. And essentially, I built a, a plan or a model to go from uh, individual properties to multiple properties. And, and I broke it down to various parts. Uh, and that's why I went from, let's say, ones and twos into multiple townhouses and, and blocks of units or townhouses to strata title. That was one thing I wanted to learn is how to do strata titling. Because if I wanted to do 20 dwellings, which was modeling off my mentor at the time, I needed to learn how to strata title. So I took that opportunity, did a whole bunch of strata titling in, in Mackay. I think it was 23 townhouses we strata titled and sold. And then after that, I thought, okay, well, my mentor is doing construction. I need to learn how to do construction. And that's what I did. I ended up building, buying blocks of land and and building houses. So during that time, uh, probably 2005 to 2007, we built a whole stack of houses in a suburb called Blimba, which is a a top-end suburb um, near uh, about four or five k's from Brisbane there, and another suburb called Wakeley, where we built a bunch of houses as well. So I learned how to deal with one, multiple investors, multiple loans, multiple bank accounts, uh, multiple houses, construction, project management. Um, and, and it's an organic growth to you know, go from one deal at a time to do two deals and five deals and 10 deals. And it, it becomes um, yeah, a process where you just gradually expand. Uh, if you expand too much, sometimes it can get too overwhelming financially as well. If you, you know, With those um, five houses that we built at Wakeley, we had about you know, twenty dollars to $25,000 a month holding costs. Uh, interest rates were you know, low dock, 8 9%. And it was pretty scary, especially when we weren't getting the prices we were wanting to get. Um, the market was starting to come back a bit and, and we couldn't rent them either because they were high-end $800,000 homes um, and we had to keep them pristine for owner-occupiers to buy. Nguyen believes a good developer is educated and knows not to get in over their heads. Before we went into the, the Big 20 lotter, there was a lot of education that I had to learn on the court. Um, these are the things that are very hard to learn uh, through a course. Uh, you have to experience the pain yourself. Um, you know, it's, it's like having kids. You can watch a YouTube video or read a book about you know, how, to, how to raise kids. Um, but until you've got kids and dealing with the day-to-day challenges of crying and, and all that and, and feeding and financial challenges, not being able to work, then, yeah, it's, it's experiential learning. Um, and that's what makes me a, a good developer because I know what my limits are and, and when to slow down and when to accelerate. Nguyen calls this middle ground between risk and rewards the sweet spot. One of the things that I've learned from my mentors is just finding what we call a sweet spot, right? And I'll just tell a quick story about his experience and then coming back to my experience. Like he was doing blocks of 20 at one stage and then he expanded. He was doing 50 townhouses uh, on another deal that was a lower socioeconomic area uh, called Logan that a lot of people may know about. And um, end product was really cheap, call it 300, 320 
that's around the 20,000, but he lost money on that project. And he basically uh, cl- clarified for himself and for me that, you know, you need to find your sweet spot. And for me, something around the 20 dwellings uh, is very, very comfortable. Nguyen shares with us the types of development projects he has going on at the moment. The projects that I'm doing at the moment, um, the purchase prices are up to $2 million. So one uh, site is uh, about uh, 30 dwellings. Uh, I've paid around about a million bucks and my business partner who's bought the site next door is about 500k. So call it 1.5. We've got about 30 uh, blocks of land between us that we're getting approval at this point in time. So that's, yeah, that's in council. Hopefully that'll come out in the next three months or so. Uh, another project that I'm working on is a childcare centre, purchase price about 840. Uh, that's about, excuse me, 2,000 square metres, which um, unfortunately we couldn't get a subdivision or a townhouse approval on, but there's a scope for a childcare centre. And then um, I'm doing two small subdivisions, uh, which are essentially buy and hold because I'll subdivide the blocks two into four, and then I'll build uh, what we call mini boarding houses to get super cash flow. So out of the four there. So in summary, I suppose I've got uh, a reasonable sized land subdivision, a childcare centre, which we will get an approval and sell, and then uh, two into four subdivision where we'll uh, subdivide, hold and build buildings on to rent. So it's a combination of buy and sell and development and a combination of buy and hold. The length of these projects depend on the size of the development. So some of, yeah, the two into fours, which are ones into twos, essentially, uh, one's a 600 square metre, cut that into two, and the other one's a 840-odd square metres, cut that one into two. They're generally a six to 12-month play, um, and that's what they, you will find when you're starting out is the ones into twos up to about one into fives uh, or so. They, they can be quite inefficient relative to the bigger ones, um, the 30-lotter. I've owned that for just a bit over a year now, and we've probably got another uh, 6, 12, maybe 18 months, depending on how we stage the project. So the bigger projects can take 18, 24, maybe even 36 months, depending on the marketplace, finance, rate of sale. Um, They do have more bang for buck, but they do have more challenges, more holding costs, um, more consultants fees. Um, Yeah, so it's a balance. And and that's why at this point in time where the marketplace is, I'm I'm happy to to be where I am. I don't need to prove myself and, you know, try to compete like with the likes of Gurner and and the bigger boys who are doing bigger projects. It's about, you know, maintaining momentum, confidence and being able to complete projects. You you don't want to have 10 development sites which are all vacant, no rental income, and you can't get it out of the ground because finance is difficult or or the planning approvals are are very much delayed. So it's about momentum because I know in 12 or 24 months, the market will pick up again. And and, either way, I'm still aggressive with my buying. I just need to be very, very conservative with the end prices and, and have exit strategies all the way through. So realistically, for any beginner or uh, starting investor, even to the intermediate level, these things take quite a bit of time, as you said, you know, up to 36 months or three years or so. So it's a, it's a patience game as well, but also to working out what you can actually hold for that time because anything can happen in three years. It's actually a long time. And um, I guess to, to be able to do that, does that mean then you should be funding everything as much as you can for initially from the upfront um, through either option deals or you know, make sure that you've got cash flow from somewhere to be able to fund your, your life because you still have to eat, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I don't generally eat two-minute noodles unless I'm camping. So, <laughs> so uh, But look, it's, it's very good uh, question there and it's very uh, thought through 
So I think that's one of the things that when I had those five houses that I was building and the holding costs were five grand a month each, roughly, let's call it 20 grand a month, um, I learned that yeah, you definitely need that holding power. And bigger isn't always better because you know, if I multiply my uh, deals, and I would also multiply my negative cash flow and, and also multiply my stresses, right? So, um, so my point is that when I suggest when people starting doing developments, whether it's just a granny flat out the back or building a duplex, is, is thinking big and starting small because there's so many layers of learnings about it like you said holding costs being able to build up the cash flow um, to be able to sustain that whether it's from other rental properties whether it's from equity whether it's from getting money from investors to be able to fund self-fund projects and not only that it's the mental state of it is that being you know my 30 lot subdivision at the moment uh, the holding costs are roughly ten thousand dollars a month and the house has been vacant for about a year now i intentionally kept it vacant because i intended to um, yeah develop it it's taken a little bit longer so we put a tenant in but that tenant's only paying 295 a week so it's barely touching the sides from the holding costs but it's covering the rates and insurance and things like that but my point call it that ten thousand a month it's it's one having the wherewithal financially to to handle it but emotionally not be disturbed or stressed over having that because you've got enough fat in the deal and you've got enough enough other deals that have been profitable to sustain those deals based on past profit and, and equity and or cash flow so um, yeah thinking big and, and starting small is absolutely critical um, because then you can build up and if you need to access more funds from investors short term you might say look i need another hundred thousand dollars just for six months to keep this project float then it's not difficult to do because you've got that track record, you've got the balance sheet. Um, so, and it's the same thing with the childcare centre. It's you know it's a big site, a uh, bit of holding costs in it, call it three to four grand a month, and uh, a tenant paying cheap rent because the house is run down. You know that that'll exit in a period of nine to twelve months. So, um, yeah, having that wherewithal emotionally and financially uh, to be able to hold it and uh, know that you're going to exit from it because uh, if you've got a whole bunch of negatively cash flow property. You know, you can negative gear it, but uh, at the end of the day, if interest rates go up, yeah, you're going to get hurt. New Imbalances his development projects with a property portfolio which provides stable income. I think it's absolutely critical that you do both. Um, I have a philosophy which is build some, sell some, keep some, right? Build some, sell some, keep some. And when I say build some, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to build houses or townhouses. You can potentially, um, uh, process of development, land subdivision is, is building you're building roads, you're building driveways, you're building pipes. So my philosophy of build some, sell some, keep some is absolutely critical in that. I've looked at a lot of other developers who've gone one way or the other, and I've found that if you just sell everything, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. You're going to miss out on capital growth. Potentially over the long term, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities to build equity and have the tenants pay off your property. So I've got um, let's say a tenant, he's paying 300 bucks a week in a one-bedroom townhouse that, uh, in a complex that I own, a block of four, and he's been paying that rent for, let's say, four years. So 15 grand a year, 300 bucks a week, times four years at 60 grand, that uh, is absolutely critical to pay down my mortgages. So um, yes, long and short answer is yes, absolutely. As I go along every year or two, I look at what else am I holding and what else am I adding to my portfolio. So the last 12 months, I've mainly been focusing on developing and selling because I've seen the market potentially soften, so I wanted to exit. Having said that, over the last uh, couple of months, like I mentioned, I bought those two sites, which are two into four, and, and those four uh, blocks of land. We can build uh, super cash flow, multiple income properties on that. And from each of those, let, let's call it uh, five rental incomes uh, on each of those blocks, we'll have, uh, with four blocks, 
and five rental incomes each. That's 20 rental incomes in a period of 12 to 24 months. So I'll add to portfolio. So, um, so my point is, yes, absolutely. I think it's, it's critical that people do both. Um, but yes, you definitely, I think, um, segmenting them is an ideal way to go. While there are different approaches, Nguyen believes that it's important to find a balance that works for you. Sometimes people might build five, sell three, keep two. Um, that's definitely a possibility. It does cause some what we call intermixing or pollution or, uh, yeah, it's not a clean way because the entity that's developing, you know, will be involved in GST and BASs and et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it's better to have one project, which you're going to do buy and hold. I might do a, a one into three townhouse, keep the townhouses, and then a one into nine land subdivision and sell all the blocks of land. So um, that's the ideal model, but at the same time, you know, you've got to figure out what's right for you. And, and when you're starting out, sometimes keeping one out of four is a blessing. You, you reduce the amount of tax that you pay. GST, you don't pay agents commission as well. So it's definitely an upside. It's just whether you can afford to um, use that debt um, to, to be able to maintain that property. Because what I mean by that is you know, with the Royal Commission and APRA and all that, debt and banking funding is definitely an asset for yourself. So if, um, you know, if, you're, if you've got it locked up in buy and hold, it may constrain you from doing future development. So it's a balance, you know, a balance between um, what you're selling, what you're holding, and, and I find a ratio of maybe one to three or one to four, one to five. Um, some of my clients are doing one in 10, but that's okay. Well, the one in 10 that they hold, they might put, a, like I said, a multiple income property on it, and that'll be five sources of income for, for just one property. So everyone is horses for courses, but wherever they can, they're holding something, definitely allows you for the long-term uh, paying off of debt and, and having a, a debt that's um, paid off, a property that's paid off with positive cash flow. Fantastic. And that's that's really good that you raised this up because most people who are developers don't usually talk about this side of things because it's usually just development, development, development. But I think the smart developers out there do buy, um, sell proportion and then keep you know a small percentage of it or whatever they, they decide in terms of portion-wise as well. Yeah, so just to add to that, sorry, I might interrupt, is that, yeah, with a good models you might want to look at is uh, Meriton, right? You, you live in Sydney and you look at Meriton and Harry Triggerboff, he's developed 60,000 apartments, roughly 2,000 a year. And, and so he holds, you know, two to 3,000 apartments at any one time. He's found a, a highly cash flow model, which is serviced apartments. And he might hold, you know, part of a building or a whole building at any one time. So, Crazy, isn't uh, it? yeah, well, mate, that's <laughs> the cash yeah, flow that, that comes in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, so, I've basically looked at a lot of different models of what other people have done. Uh, Westfield is an extreme model where they hold on to pretty much everything. I wouldn't say everything, but a lot of things. They've sold down some of their shopping centers. Um, but that, that's one extreme model. The other model you might want to look at is Mervac. Um, Mervac have a model where they sell all their residential and they hold commercial. So, um, what that says to me is that they find that, you know, Residential has a great development profitability where they essentially develop it and sell it, and then the, the higher yields are in the commercial properties. So that that's another model uh, which is congruent to if you look at um, Harry Triggerboff, his selling of the apartments and the ones that he's keeping from a service apartment essentially becomes a commercial property for him, which is a high yielding rental income. So. Yeah, that, that's that's where I've gotten my conclusions from is looking at other models and um, the philosophy of building some, selling some, keeping some. Coming up after the break, we'll find out why Nguyen decided to embark on this property journey. Ever since yeah, I was 19 and late teenage years wanting to uh, impact people and make a difference to other people. The personal habits that he couldn't do business without 
one thing is meditation. Uh, if people can find a way to meditate, uh, it's really, really important. Mindset strategies he uses in his deals? I think that's the difference that, that I bring to the table is my values aren't just about um, making money. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Chum and you're listening to Property Investory. Starting his journey at just 19 years of age, Nguyen shares the various reasons why he decided to embark on his property journey. There's a handful of reasons for that. You know, when I started out, uh, I was 19. I remember when I was 19 and I worked for the property education company. I actually wanted to present to people, and the first topic I presented, I remember, was on goals. And it, I remember even the topics I was talking about was, you know, if you have a jar and you put ants on the top of the jar, they'll go around and around and around in circles. And the the reason I mentioned that is that I've always been wanting to share what I've learned. I used to read a lot as a teenager, personal development books, um, Dale Carnegie, How Win Friends, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and and always been fascinated with with education and self development, how to bring the best out of people. So, especially myself, and and then um, I saw Robert Kiyosaki in, in um, 1999, I think, in the convention center. And uh, it just resonated with me that I really want to educate and share the message uh, about you know, financial prosperity. Even though I was 19, I didn't have any properties, I didn't have any wealth, so to speak. I just wanted to share a message and impact people in a positive way. So um, ever since yeah, I was 19 and uh, late teenage years wanting to uh, impact people and make a difference to other people. Um, and when I was 19, 20, 21, that was where I, I suppose I had a lot of growth and I had a lot of support from my own mentor and I had my own rich dad um, using the words of rich dad, poor dad and, and Lee, my, my first mentor who I still keep in touch with today. Um, yeah, I just felt so um, grateful to be able to be uh, gifted with his teachings and tough love, so to speak. And, and I felt it's uh, just uh, with my Christian background as well, it, it's necessary to give to give to other people as well. So um, I've been gifted, yeah, I've got a handful of mentors and they ongoingly give to me willingly and freely. And, and I think um, that's what part of my mission is, is to relay and share some of those messages. And it's impacted so many people. You know, I've got clients making 500K uh, profit year in, year out on the developments. They've quit their job. Um, they've, some of them have their wives have been able to quit their jobs because they want to quit. And just the impact of that um, through my mentors teaching me and instilling with me great information generously. And, and now I do the same for others as well. And um, I think it's just a, a mission that I found um, has held through the years. And uh, the more I do it, the more I enjoy it and it's very worthwhile and satisfying. Like many, Nguyen used various resources and books to educate himself along the way. Uh, there's a handful of books out there that uh, are really, really helpful. Um, I might rattle a, a few off and I'm sure you may have covered these in the past. Um, the Richest Man, Richest Man in Babylon is a good um, good classic there. The, the Rich Dad series, I'd say the probably the earlier ones like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant are the more fundamental ones if you can get them in audio books. They're really good as well. Um, I also recommend a lot of my clients who build a, a property portfolio and a property business that they look at things like e-myth and looking at ways to build their business in a structure as well. So in a, a format that's not just a home uh, business, mum and dad type business, but a professional business because um, e-myth talks about you know, McDonald's and uh, how to run, systematize your business. I, I think that's one of the biggest things that I bring to the table when I'm educating people is it's not just about making money. It's about, okay, how do you turn your property investing and developing 
into a business that's leveraged, that you can go on holidays, that you have systems and you're not always putting out fires um, and built to support itself and support you, not just um, yeah, not just for the sake of making money and putting out fires because you know you got to check the phone every three minutes when you're on holidays. Having come so far, Nguyen shares the best advice he's ever received. Like I mentioned before, yeah, think big and start small, I'd say is a really good uh, phrase to start with. Um, another one that I've heard throughout the years is you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Uh, I know that you know, in many instances, let's say the market has changed or is changing. If you buy well, then um, you essentially build in the equity or the protection or the buffer for the market to change. So, you know, whether that's uh, from Robert Kiyosaki or Warren Buffett, um, there's a lot of good philosophies that keep your ego in play and makes you a lot more careful because it's you know property is easy to get in hard to get out it is another saying i have property easy to get in hard to get out you, know, you sign a contract you know, you've got a full-time job you can borrow that's a bit of equity borrow from the parents get into a deal but on the other side you know moving it on with at a profit you know 10 50 100 grand more is, isn't always easy um as it seems you know when the market goes up it's very easy to hide people's mistakes because they don't know what they're doing. You know, look, look at Sydney, for example. You know, I know in 2007, I was down at Bondi and they were giving away blocks of units. You know, you, the, people were not, not interested in 2007, but you know, over the last uh, five or so years, the market's gone absolutely crazy and everybody jumped over to each other to buy a property site unseen, whether it's a dog box or not. But the tide has turned, and uh, whether it's Melbourne or Sydney. And so you've got to make sure you buy right, whatever the market does. Nguyen shares some of the significant personal habits that he believes contributes to his success. One thing is meditation. Uh, if people can find a way to meditate, uh, it's really, really important. I think hobbies um, are important as well. Some people just get so, you know, uh, stuck in the world of got to make money, got to make money, want to get out of my job. I get it. You know, they're in their job. They don't, may not like their job. They want to get out of it, hate their boss. And they go from a, a nine to five job and after hours, they go into tens, different seminars to educate themselves and all they think about is making money and, and I get it I get that's that's where I've been in the past as well but I think yeah meditation is a good thing also participating in hobbies um, that uh, give you a, a rounded lifestyle not just uh, making money um, but also the third thing that uh, I participate in is a thing called landmark landmark forum um, it's a course a three-day course it's quite reasonably priced less than a thousand bucks and uh, I do a, a lot of that work. It allows me to um, basically deal with stress or pressure a lot more uh, easily and quickly and, and also resolve a lot of angst and, and anxiety that or stra- stress that one might have. Here's what he would like to tell his younger self if he got the chance. I'd say that persistence is the key. If I, if I were to look back on the times, just persistence is the key. You'll always find a solution. You, if, as long as you're willing to, to work hard, um, cut down on the alcohol is <laughs> definitely uh, another thing you'd, I'd tell myself. Um, yeah, I talk, I joke about in seminars about yeah, how the GFC used to drink probably half a bottle of wine a night, red wine. And, and for some people, yeah, it's not a big deal. But as you know, mate, with Asian genes, two glasses can be fatal. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so no, definitely that, those are the things. Is persistence, just keep going, keep keep uh, putting in the effort, and cut down on the alcohol because uh, yeah, there's just times to deal with stress. You know, just to deal with stress. And I promise you, there's not many people willing to admit their um, those kind of problems. 
Newen has taken the philosophy of solving his problems, such as stress, instead of hiding them. There's always a solution to the problem, and there's always people willing to help. Um, sometimes we just forget that and prefer to hide and, and run away from the problems. And, and that's where the problems fester long term. You have financial problems, personal problems, health problems, um, and that's where people start you know, dealing with break, marriage breakdowns and heart attacks and, and stuff like that. So I know that's uh, a bit of a, you know, a, a different conversation that we may have started, but you know, that's what you'll get with me is you'll find it's more of a, a bigger picture view on, on success. Uh, development is definitely a part of my life, but you know, it's not the only thing that's important to me. And having a, a great marriage, great relationship with my kids, great health. I've had um, you know, money and in terms of in the past where in my health I was getting sick quite a lot back in uh, probably five, ten years ago and because of the stress or the pressure I was putting myself under and then I now had to spend a lot of time on my health to maintain that and I found, wow, well, you know, that, that's a very important part of my life. It, so some people, they're, they're overly um, committed to that and, and it's the only part. You know, they're fitness freaks but they've got no money, uh, they've got no future. Um, that's okay. In fact, Nguyen has a very particular approach to conditioning his mindset. I think that's the difference that, that I bring to the table is my values aren't just about um, making money. It's more a well-rounded approach of happiness, health and wealth, we, we call it. So, um, and, and effectively, you know, with happiness and health, it really doesn't matter. You know, if you're making 100 grand a year or $10 million a year, if you're happy with in your relationships, you, you automatically make more money. And if you don't, it doesn't matter. You're happy anyway with what you've got. You know, you can have a you know, a five-meter boat or 50-meter boat. Um, and if you're happy, it doesn't really matter what you have. If you're unhappy, then it really uh, matter what size boat you have or what lifestyle you have or don't have and, and cars you're driving. So uh, being satisfied, I think, is a, is a critical tool of, of this game is being satisfied with what you've achieved and balancing that with being dissatisfied but not angry at yourself um, to, to always go to another level. Upon consideration, Nguyen believes he rarely relies on luck in his development deals and focuses more on effort. I'd say that uh, in, in the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, it talks about the, uh, I think, the goddess of luck or something. So um, there's a saying, another saying says, the harder I work, uh, the luckier I get. And, and I'd say, look, it's due to effort, effort, effort. And I'd say it's 99.5% effort and persistence. And then the luck sometimes comes just because you're out there pounding the pavement. You know, the, the three deals that I bought recently, right, you could say it's luck, but you know, I've invested capital, invested time in these relationships and invested time in the systems and the qualifying process of deals. Um, so I think, yeah, success is when preparation meets luck and the preparation has been many years in the making. Um, people think that uh, luck is a big part of it. I, I don't think so. I think that you know, if you keep putting putting it out there um, from a physics point of view, uh, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If you put it out there enough, uh, something will come back and it's just whether you're willing to, to take the opportunities or not. For some people, they put it out there, but then they sabotage themselves. When the opportunity is there, they hesitate and, and then they uh, sabotage, like I said, and and they miss out on opportunity and they complain that they don't get it, the opportunities. But it, it's a process of persistence and recognising opportunities and, and willing to take those opportunities and grasp them as well. If you're looking to reach out and speak with Nyang Nguyen, here's the best way to do it. We have a free report. Um, so then go to our uh, website at www.advancedpropertystrategies.com. 
advancedpropertystrategies.com, not au, just .com, and they can get a free report on uh, opportunities and learning lessons that I've had in the past. And uh, definitely get subscribed to our uh, newsletter. And from time to time, we'll have events and webinars and, and things like that. But I, I think that's the best thing is yeah, just subscribe to our newsletter and get uh, that free report, check it all out, and uh, learn as much as you can and, and take advantage of the, the freebies on, on offer. Thank you so much to Young Nyon, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinveststory.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.